a time, and not so very far away from here, there lived a family of bunny rabbits. Now, one fine day in the summer, when the sun was shining and the sky was ever so blue, Mrs. Rabbit was at home doing the laundry. And as she did it, she sang a little song to herself. Scrap-a-dub, scrap-a-dub. <laughs> How I love to wash and rub. <laughs> scrap-a-dub, scrap-a-dub. How I love to wash and rub. Scrap-a-dub, scrap-a-dub. How I love to wash and rub. Well, as she was washing and singing away, she heard the front door open, and in came Mr. Rabbit, home from work. Gordon Bennett, ain't you got my dinner ready yet, you silly great mayor? I mean... And there we must leave Mr. and Mrs. Rabbit for now. <laughs> Next week, I'll tell you how they went to see the gamekeeper and what they saw him doing. <laughs> Goodbye, children. Goodbye. That's the Angus Prune tune, which means it's too late to switch off now because we've started. And stop fidgeting, Mrs. Gray of 18 Hawthorne Road, Hounslow. Come on, everybody, hands on heads. You're about to hear the voices of Tim Rook Taylor, John Cleese, Graham Garden, David Hatch, Joe Kendall, and Milody. So here to tell you about it is Head Prefect, John Apple Blossom Cleese. Oh, no, it's... I'm sorry, I'll read that again, Mother. Again! team of experts with this week's special guest, Alicia Lung. Good evening. And that's one mark to you, Alicia. Oh. Alicia Lung, that is better known to all of us, I'm sure, as Dame Phyllis Mary Spreadit, the Dagenham housewife, a piper, and amateur brain surgeon. <laughs> but who is also, in her own right, a bit of an antique. Uh. A collector. I'm so sorry. So sorry, I must be drunk. Hmm. <laughs> well, let's waste no more good drinking... Uh, let's waste no more good ordinary time and get straight on with the first item. Alicia, perhaps you'd like to start with this one. Here we are. <laughs> Is there anything you can tell us about that one, Alicia? <laughs> Jolly good, that's two marks. Uh, Binky, what do you make of this? Oh, well held. Uh, any idea of what it might be? Uh, is it a cricket ball? No. Oh, uh, uh, would I be right in thinking it's not an Adam fireplace? Quite right. Oh, uh, do I get any marks for that? No, I'm afraid not, Binky, you silly little man. But I will give one, I will give one to Alicia. Oh! Uh, now, Binky, you haven't given me a date yet. Well, you've never asked me for one. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, I do apologise. Uh, sorry, I... Sorry, I have no idea. Arthur, uh, have you any ideas? 
Well, no, I hardly like to comment, really, with such an expert on these things sitting next to me, <laughs> like Binky. But it seems to me to be a perfectly ordinary 15th century butter churn. Fifteenth? Uh, you think, Arthur, no, not a bit later? No, no, I'm absolutely certain. I'll stick to my original estimate. It's a 17th century butter churn. <laughs> Danish, I think, low glazing, potted by... Uh, hang on a minute while I screw in my eye. Uh, <laughs> of course, it could be completely wrong. Potted by Jerg butter churn. Yes, Arthur, you are completely wrong. Oh. <laughs> it's a really lovely piece. It is a really lovely piece. And, Alicia, that earns you another mark. It's, uh, it's not one of those things, uh, what you call them, um, a disused railway station, is it? Uh, no, Binky, no, but you're getting a little bit warmer. Uh, am I? Uh, well, I'll take my jacket off, then. <laughs> oh, no, wait a minute. There seems to be some sort of a mouthpiece. Yes, there is. Well done, Alicia. That's another mark. Um, could it be some sort of musical instrument, perhaps? It could. Shall I try blowing into the mouthpiece? Please do. You touch the mouthpiece, lady, and you're dead. Who said that? The mouthpiece. <laughs> and that should give you some clue. Uh, Binky. I've noticed that it's got two legs and two arms. Good. What does that suggest to you? A broken armchair. Mm, no, no. Well, I don't think you're going to get this one. No. It is, in fact, Dermot Stavaker, the curator of the Ethelbert Museum. <laughs> Silly me. Silly, of course it is. Well, uh, it is, in fact, a copy, uh, but rather a good one, I think. Well, that's all for this week. Uh, next week, at the same time, we'll all be looking at some rather unusual pictures which means that there won't be another programme for a fortnight. <laughs> See you then. Good night. Mr. Claude Moe Forceps to see you, sir. My dear chap, this is an unexpected pleasure. Hello, Brian. Are you... are you alone? Yes, why? Well, I'm... I'm in a spot of trouble. Brian, you and I have always been close, in fact... You've been closer than I have. I mean... I mean, at school, we always shared everything. You remember, I even gave you my set of prize marbles. And, well, well, the truth is, I need money. Could you... Could you possibly lend me, say, 500 pounds? I'm sorry, Claude, it's out of the question. Only a few hundred, that's all I need. No, I'm sorry. Well, at least, can I have my marbles back? No, Claude, I can't let you have anything. Then I'm sorry, Brian. God knows I'm sorry, but if that's your attitude... Perhaps these letters will help you change your mind. I see. So it's blackmail, is it? No, don't say that. Blackmail's such an ugly word. All right. How about fish paste? That's better. <laughs> so it's fish paste, is it? Yes, I'm afraid it is. You realise, of course, that fish paste is a criminal offence. <laughs> I'm sorry, Brian, but I have to do it. If you don't give me the money, I shall be forced to send these letters to your wife. No, Claude, I... I beg of you, keep Joanna out of this. Oh, very well. I'll send them to my wife. Do you really need the money as badly as that? Yes. I'm... I'm... I'm broke, Brian. I'm... I'm a ruined man. Gambling? Yes. I lost all my money on... on goldfish. On goldfish? Yes. Oh, I was a... Cool, I see that now. I mean, everybody knows you can't win money on goldfish. Claude, there isn't a woman, is there? Where? Over there. No. <laughs> but wait a moment. These letters, they're signed Arnold Glove Pocket. I didn't write them. No. Uh, but you could have done. If your name was Arnold Glove Pocket. 
you're a cunning devil, Claw, but you'll get nothing out of me. In that case, I'm sorry to have to do this, but if you don't give me the money, I shall be forced to send this photograph to the Sunday newspapers. Photograph? Photograph of what? Two kittens in a beer mug. <laughs> Publish and be damned. All right, Brian. All right, Brian. I'm sorry, but you leave me no alternative. You're not going to do anything silly with that gun, are you? Yes. <laughs> now, give me the money. Very well, then. Here it is. Thank you, Brian. I'm... I'm sorry it had to be this way. Well, goodbye. You realize, of course, that I shall have to tell your wife about this? I see. So it's fish paste, is it? <laughs> and wings will swoop down from the skies and carry you off into the darkness. Thunderbolts will shower upon you, death, even while you huddle round your radio sets. Great fires will envelop you, wherever you be, so there's no good you're hiding in the airing cupboard. Great storms will arise and drown all. Yea, even grannies will perish. And don't say I, Jack Mulberry, didn't warn you. That was Jack Mulberry from the Weather Centre. <laughs> at this point, we'd like to give Oddie something to do. And since he's not awfully good at speaking parts, we're going to let him sing a song. A very silly song. A very, very silly song. Very To take a stroll down by the sea Cause there's a little shellfish store Down by the harbour wall And there I'll stop and say hello And think of how a year ago I bought myself a quite delicious oyster I thought I'd save it for a special day But gradually I found It was nice to have a round so now on Sundays, if it's dry, the people stop and stare as I am taking my oyster for walkies. She's really incredibly sweet. We walk very slow because, as you know, an oyster has very few feet. If any, I'm taking my oyster for walkies, and my oyster is taking to me. I admit I've had affairs with other mollusks. Well, mussels have a certain sex appeal. And I well recall the twinkle when I first saw Winkle. And surely nothing can conceal the candor of a jelly deal. Well, all right, I caused a scandal with a scallop. 
but I'm really not so shellfish anymore. Cause a lovable crustacean has expended my frustration. You can stuff your cockles, cause instead I'm happy in my oyster bed. I'm taking my oyster for walkies. How I wish I could marry the girl. If only she could see we'd be as happy as could be, we'd have an excellent chance of a pearl. Let's try. I'm taking my oyster for walkies, and my oyster is taking to me. All together, let me hear. Taking my oyster for walkies, she's a dangerous fish of a In her oyster bonnet, she's the queen of the oyster parade. She's lovely. I'm taking my oyster for walkies, and my oyster is taking to me. Oh, I've been locked up with a limpet, and I thought it was swell. I've had relations with a lobster, and that was all very well. But boy. Each week, thousands of people follow the adventures on television of a doctor who spends all his time in the jungles of Africa tending the sick animals there. Today, I'm sorry I'll read that again, presents its own adventure story about a man in the heart of Africa who devotes his life to the care of the wild animal's teeth. We proudly present Dentiste. What a dentiste. Good morning, game warden. I'm about to start my morning clinic. Care to join me? Yes, of course. I say, don't you find your work as a dentist rather boring? Oh, it's all right once... It's all right once you learn the drill. <laughs> but here comes my lovely daughter, Maisie. How do you do, game warden? Oh, I say, hello. What? Oh, my word. Oh, I say, <laughs> I'm surprised to find a beautiful creature like you out here. Huh? And I'm surprised to find a beautiful creature like you out here. Oh, am I reading... Am I reading this part wrong? <laughs> no, Tim, you're butch this week. Oh. <laughs> Good evening, I'm butch this week, and I'm again... No, but I mean all this heat and discomfort and the wild animals and snakes and... Ugh, damn these flies. Never mind, I can lend you a safety pin. Thank you. <laughs> ah, and here comes our lovable pet chimpanzee, Queen Victoria. <laughs> Is that all right? 
it's time we started the clinic, so let's see the first patient. Bring them in, Gumboil. Yes, sir. The first patient, I'm Kevin the Crocodile. I say, good Lord, what an enormous mouth. No need to get personal. <laughs> All right, then, Kevin the Crocodile. Open wide. Wide up. Wide up. Now, I'll just tap Kevin's teeth with my little hammer to see if they're sound. Good. Good. Fine. The hills are Father, oh, Father, I've just heard something terrible over the radio. What was it? The Clithero Kid. <laughs> I also heard that two wicked white hunters had entered the game reserve and they've been shooting the herds of mice. Hmm. They must be after the ivory and their tusks. But surely mice don't have tusks. Haven't you heard of the very rare and priceless ivory mouse tusks? No. You must have heard the street cry of the merchants in the city selling prime ivory mouse tusks. No. No. How, how does it go? That joke was a play on words. <laughs> Did you notice? While the band played Climb Every Mountain, John sang Prime Ivory Mouse Tusks. A play on words. Let's hear it once again. Now do you understand it? Because if you don't, we're going to do it again and again until you do, all right? Right, now let's get on with the story. Oh, Daddy, what shall we do? Well, we'd better go and catch these ivory thieves. Game warden, you'd better come along. All day they travelled, marvelling at the wildlife they saw around them. Oh, They stopped at a water hole and watched the springboks drinking and singing Dirty Rugger songs. <laughs> Then, as they trudged through the thick undergrowth... Good grief! Look, a lion! Aha! Why, it's my old friend Zumba the lion. I once put a fitting in his left upper fore, and he's never forgotten me. Look, 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 look. Look how he's playfully baring his fangs at me. And look, look how he's playfully creeping towards me. And look, look, look how he's playfully reaching out with his claws. And look, look how I'm playfully climbing up this tree. Help! <laughs> Then, Zumba, naughty boy. It's uncanny. She seems to have a strange hold over the beast. Yes, it's a step over leg lock. <laughs> Gumboil, Gumboil, put up the tent. And Maisie, you go down to the stream to fetch some water. I'll go with you. Come on, then. Last one, there's the sissy. Nobody, nobody calls me a sissy. <laughs> Wait a moment. What's that over there? Why? It's the glow of a fire through the trees. Who can it be? Let's creep up and have a look. Good idea. Can you see anything? Yes. There are two men sitting by a fire, cracking eggs and dropping them into a pan of boiling water. They're poachers. 
let's creep closer and see if we can hear what they're saying. Now then, Spud, here's the plan. So listen carefully. All right, Twinkle. Now... <laughs> now then, we got 500 ivory mouse tusks. That's right, Twinkle. But before we leave the reserve, I'm going to get even with that dentisty bloke. We must get back and warn Daddy. Right. Daddy, Daddy! Look, there he is, sitting over there, reading the newspaper. And look, there's a huge lion standing on each side of him. Daddy, what are you doing? Just reading between the lions. Oh, Daddy, there are two wicked mouse tusk thieves after you. We must get back to base. Too late, dentisty. Quick, Spud, tie them up to that tree. Right ho, Twinkle. <laughs> dentisty, at last I can get even with you. I'm going to leave you tied up here. And there's a rogue mouse roaming through the jungle. <laughs> Look over there! It's... Good heavens! Look! What oh. is this? Oh. Tell me! It's, it's a rogue mouse played by John Cleese. It's God! It's terrible! It's awful! Well, I'm doing my best. <laughs> Come on, Twinkle, let's go. I know a shortcut played by Bellotti. Where to? To the camp, played by... Not this week. <laughs> but, but before he could finish, the rogue mouse was upon them. Look, they're running off into the jungle, chased by the rogue mouse. Uh, what a terrible way to go. Yes, they should have turned left. <laughs> but how are we going to get free? <laughs> it's Queen Victoria. Look, look, he's... Three at last. <laughs> I say, Dentisty, we can't let those poachers get away. I want to take them back home with me. But how can we follow them through this dense jungle? I have an idea. I'll call up one of my friends, the elephant. Do you know that phone number? <laughs> no, but I know their mating call. Was that their mating call? No, no, that was indigestion. <laughs> this is the mating call. Look, look, an enormous elephant. It's walking right up to Dentiste. I shall speak to it. I know their language. Humbo, po, polk, twimbly, slur, plot, luck, umbrakib. Are you speaking to me, young man? <laughs> Some mercy, a talking elephant. It's impossible. There must be two men in there. I only wish there were. I don't believe she's an elephant at all. Oh, flattery, my dear. But who are you? I am Lady Constance the Coverlet. Then why are you dressed up in an elephant skin? Well, but before she could reply, oh. the scriptwriter fell asleep, so we shall never know. Oh. And so the little party set off through the jungle, riding on Lady Constance. <laughs> At midday, they stopped to eat some wild berries. Oh, I, 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 I'm I'm wild. Absolutely furious. Well, I'm certainly cross. <laughs> then they set off again in search of the poachers. Two days later, they were still going. Must have been those wild berries. <laughs> oh, Daddy. Daddy, it's no use. <laughs> well, wait. I, I have an idea, didn't taste it. Uh, not now, dear. No, I know how to find them. There is one animal who can help us track down the poachers, my old friend Grimbling the Puma. 
you call me, lady? When will they find the trail of those poachers this minute? Yes, me lady. Without further ado, the mighty animal, mighty animal, <laughs> bent his great head to the ground, pressing his sensitive nose into the earth. His powerful body seemed to stiffen up as his ears pricked straight up in the air. Then he spoke. I've not been well, you know. <laughs> Where are the two poachers? They're right behind you, me lady. Oh. Correct. And don't any of you move. Spud's got you covered. Yo, fiends, I'm coming to get you. No, Daddy, don't. He's holding a gnu. That must be... That must be a misprint for gun, surely. All right, Spud. Let him have it. No, you were right. <laughs> Daddy, you're wounded. It's all right. It just caught me in the fleshy part of my upper left thigh. Oh. Oh. Is it... The end. Yes. Well, that's a more polite way of saying it. Huh? Let that be a lesson to you. Now, nobody else move. This canoe has five more bullets. Well, did you heifer? <laughs> Suddenly, in my normal voice, at that moment, a strange half-naked figure appeared swinging through the trees. Daddy, look! That strange half-naked figure has dropped out of the trees and landed on the two poachers, knocking them out, conveniently. What an extraordinary adventure! I say, I have an idea. Why not write it all down and set it to television as a peak-viewing-time adventure series? Oh, no! Why not? Not enough peaks watch television! <laughs> too soon, it's the Angus Prune tune saying, I'm sorry, it's finished again. As if you didn't know, the voices you heard were those of Tim Brooke Taylor, John Cleese, Graham Garden, David Hatch, Joe Kendall and Bilotti. The scripts were written by lunchtime and the songs in time for tea. <laughs> uh, they were, in fact, written by Tim Brooke Taylor, Graham Garden and Big Bilotti, made up the songs himself as he went along. Arrangements were by Leon Solent Cohen and the music was played and conducted by Dave Lee on C. The whole show is produced by David Hatch, that's me, and Peter Titheridge. Our initials, D-H-P-T, spell... <coughs> so that's it for another year, until next week when, twice again, John Otto Cleese will shout at the microphone... Push off your stupid old microphone! <laughs> My name is Angus Blue, and I always listen to the real readers.